In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Each of the Ten Commandments protects something the Lord has instituted. God has given us himself, his name, and his word, which protect us from false gods, false worship, and false teaching. Now, the Eighth Commandment protects God's gift of a good name and reputation. And the Ninth and Tenth both protect God's gift of the right to keep those earthly things that he has given to us. Now, first, the Eighth Commandment. A good name is the most precious thing that any of us has. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 22, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So God doesn't want us to say false things about one another, to slander or to gossip. Now, as an aside, if someone does cast aside his good name by public sin, that's a separate issue and he must bear the consequences. But God hasn't given his Christians the authority to take a good name away from anyone. Now, like the first commandment, which has to do with faith, the ninth and tenth commandments are explicitly about your heart. These two commands are usually summarized by saying, do not covet. But that summary isn't really very helpful. After all, the word covet simply means desire. And it can refer to good desire and bad desire. Even in the Garden of Eden, God gave our first parents every tree that is desirable for food. So it's not desire itself that's bad, but what makes it bad? In these two commandments, God prohibits you from desiring what he hasn't given to you. It's why Adam and Eve sinned when they ate the fruit that God hadn't given them. When you desire what someone else has, you are, in effect, saying that God was wrong. He gave that thing or that ability to the wrong person. And wrongly desiring what God hasn't given you also teaches you that you should, by your own power, fix what God has done wrong. You should take that thing that the other person has. Breaking this commandment stems from the first commandment. To break this commandment is to doubt God's love for you. To say in your heart that if God really loved you, he would have given you what you desire. And he wouldn't have blessed your neighbor with it. No, God prohibits bad desire, but he promotes and protects good desire. It is good to desire the things that God has given you. It is good to desire God and his name and his word. It's good to delight in his gifts and find them pleasant. So these two final commandments put boundaries on our desires. They tell us not to desire the things he has given to others and to be content with what God has given to us. Now, today's text from 1 Kings deals with all three of these commandments and even a few more that we'll discuss later on because breaking one commandment usually leads to breaking another. 
For King Ahab coveted, Tenth Commandment, what didn't belong to him. And his desire was so strong that he lied, Eighth Commandment, about his neighbor and murdered him, Fifth Commandment, so that he could steal his property, Seventh Commandment. Ahab's God was himself, First Commandment, and he misused God's name and his word, Commandments 2 and 3. But let's look at our text. Ahab is the king of Samaria, and Naboth, who lives next door, has a nice vineyard. King Ahab wants the vineyard and offers to buy it. You know, Naboth, you've got some pretty nice prime real estate here. I'd like to have it. Let me give you some land that's even better, or I can even buy it from you. So far, it doesn't seem to be anything wrong. The king wants to buy property from one of his subjects, and he's even being quite generous. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Naboth rightly confesses that this land belongs to him. The Lord has instituted the the right of inheritance by his word, and it would be a disgrace to Naboth's family name for him to give up that property. So according to the Lord's word and institution, Naboth declines Ahab's offer. At this point, they could have gone their separate ways, both having, at least outwardly, kept these commandments. But Ahab wouldn't have it. His desire had been foiled, and so he goes and throws a little temper tantrum. He lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Jezebel, his wife, comes to comfort him. Dear Ahab, are you not the king? Get up and eat. I'll get you your vineyard. Now, notice how she comforts him. She says, he's the king. He should be able to take what he wants. Might makes right. If it's in your power to take, then just take it. Now, Jezebel will get the vineyard, but only in a way that appears right. In the eyes of the people, everything appears law-abiding and legitimate. In fact, the way things play out, Jezebel and Ahab come out looking pretty good. The elders and leaders of the city proclaim a fast. Accusations are raised against Naboth. A public trial is called and all the people of the city gather together. Two men testify against Naboth. This man cursed God and the king. Because these two accusers agree, the charge is established. And the punishment for blaspheming, for cursing God's name, is being stoned to death. So the elders condemn Naboth and take him out of the city to execute him. Now the owner of the vineyard is dead. And who should step in to claim it but the king whom Naboth had supposedly cursed? It would only be right and just that the king who had suffered from Naboth would get the vineyard. And it would set a precedent in case anyone else thought about speaking ill of the king. In the eyes of Israel, 
Ahab is perfectly right and just to take the now abandoned vineyard. The whole affair even had a ring of religiosity to it. How pious. But the Lord knew Ahab's heart. He knew what Jezebel had done and how the elders of the city had gone along with it. And the people of the city should have defended Naboth's reputation. But their silence killed him. So when people gossip to you about others, you shouldn't listen to it or believe it or act on it or repeat it. So much of the media seems to be about this very thing. And in election season, we get weeks and weeks of propaganda and commercials slandering others. In our daily lives, we assume the worst about each other and explain our neighbor's actions in the worst possible ways. And if all our secret conversations and gossiping words and slanderous comments were revealed right here, we'd all die for shame. Luther writes in the large catechism, it is a common pernicious plague that everyone would rather hear evil than good about their neighbors. So it's no surprise that the people are perfectly willing to listen to evil things about Naboth and stone him to death. But everyone who gossips and slanders is unhappy. They are discontent with their own life with what God has given to them. And they think they can improve themselves by pushing others down. They think that putting a negative light on others will make themselves look better by comparison. Ahab thought he could gain a vineyard by getting rid of its owner. And it worked. For a while. When Ahab went to admire his new property the Lord's prophet Elijah showed up with a message. Ahab would die in the same place where Naboth had died. And even Jezebel, too. Dogs would eat her body. But Ahab asks for mercy, and God grants it. Now, if the Lord showed some amount of compassion to Ahab, who wasn't repentant and had no faith, then God will certainly have compassion on those whom his law has made contrite and who have faith in Christ. For in Naboth, we have a type of the one who is to come, our own dear Savior. He is a greater Naboth who was slandered and falsely condemned for you and for your salvation. He doesn't cry out for vengeance or try to get even. His blood doesn't cry out for your blood. For he is risen and he gives you his own blood for your pardon. He died to scrub the taste of gossip out of your mouth and to tear away all the ingratitude in your heart. With his own blood, he bears the punishment that you deserve. And he has washed away all the sin of your mouth and in your heart drowning them in the font. So when you hear people gossip about others, rebuke and correct them. Make them ashamed to talk about others in front of you. 
And if all you saints do this together, the gossiper will have no one else to talk to in church. And he'll have to run away and find company in the world. And if you have already gossiped and slandered others, go tell them what you've done. Repent and ask for forgiveness. And if someone comes to you asking for forgiveness, then give them the same forgiveness you already have in Christ. Tell them that you forgive them in the name of Jesus. Because that's what God has done with your sins. Even your sins of lying and coveting. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.